And John Yu is um, is one of the, the sources that is absolutely crucial. Two weeks ago, he wrote uh, a column that said the Hunter Biden plea deal fiasco shows why we need a special counsel. Now we've got one. Uh, John, you is are we going to be having a, a dueling trials, a Hunter Biden trial versus one of perhaps three or four Trump trials before the election? I hate to say it, but it's certainly possible. Uh, yeah, as you said, while the election is going on, too, we could have the two leading major party candidates both involved in criminal trials. Although I think the odds are much more likely that the Biden, Hunter Biden case, in which Joe Biden, the sitting president, is now at the minimum, at the minimum, a witness, if not worse. Uh, I think that's likely to stretch on uh, past the election, unless there's some kind of plea bargain, because as we've learned from House oversight hearings that have been going on, uh, the investigation was stalled. And I think now that you have a special counsel, I think the investigation would really still needs to get up to speed to get going. And that may take a while. It's a very complicated financial case. The Trump cases, there are so many of them now. <laughs> one of them is probably going to start trial before the elections. As you said, we've got the one in New York City involving basically a business accounting fraud. And then you've got the classified documents of Mar-a-Lago, and you've got the indictment for January 6th. And then, as you said, it sounds like this week, if not today or tomorrow, the district attorney in Fulton County, which includes Atlanta, is likely to bring another set of charges. And those cases are all going along at their own speed. They don't have to be coordinated. None of these judges have to cooperate with each other about timing. But it seems that one of those cases, one or two of those cases is going to get started before the elections next next year. Uh, yes, and uh, by the way, John Yu, who is a regular guest on this show, I'm very proud to say, is the Emanuel S. Heller uh, chair, holds that chair in law at University of California at Berkeley. He is also a uh, non-resident senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute and a visiting fellow at the very august Hoover Institution and in Stanford University. He's the author of a new book, uh, just released called the politically incorrect guide to the Supreme Court. It's part of that politically incorrect guide series that uh, um, has been uh, a very big feature from Regnery. Uh, John, uh, of of all of these indictments, uh, a number of people believe that uh, Georgia represents the most perilous threat to Trump. Uh, despite the fact that it's a state law, or maybe because it's state law and not federal law, he he couldn't even pardon himself uh, from from those charges, the, particularly the racketeering charges, uh, e even if he is elected president. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. I'm, I I can see why some people would think the Georgia case is the biggest threat compared to the other ones because it combines January 6th with seriousness of the charges and what sounds like a pretty good record on the facts. I mean, if you, the, the, the one in New York City, 
this one this one may not be ever brought because it's got severe legal problems. Uh, it's brought after well after the events occurred, well outside what we think of as a statute of limitations. You only have a certain amount of time to bring a case after the events have occurred. The Mar-a-Lago case is probably the firmest in terms of the facts. You know, you've got people who sound like they're going to testify on behalf of the government being ordered by President Trump to destroy evidence. However, the importance to the country of that case is questionable. It's not clear why a former president should be prosecuted for keeping documents from his presidency, classified documents even. How how important is that to the country? January 6th cases, both this Georgia one and the one that's been brought by the special counsel, I think those are worthwhile to bring against a former president there. After all, this is a case that claims that a sitting president tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power. And if that's borne out by the facts, that, that, that's the most important criminal case that could ever be heard in our country, I think. You know, a direct threat to our constitutional form of government. January 6th, however, with the special counsel in D.C., from the indictment we've seen so far, doesn't seem to have very strong facts to make the charge. That's why Georgia, the Georgia case, might be the most important one because it's about January 6th. And it sounds like from what we're hearing that the DA down there has a, has built a much stronger factual record, you know, with witnesses and documents. This is after all the state where the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, recorded a phone call from President Trump saying, find me 10,000 votes. That's how many votes I need to win the state. And President, President and Trump votes. knew he was being recorded, as I understand it. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I can't believe he's saying this on tape. And know, the thing about that recorded conversation is that that might just be the tip of the iceberg. Apparently, it's a perfect know, conversation. I mean, President Trump has said repeatedly it was a perfect conversation, just like his conversation with President Zelensky that led to his first impeachment was a perfect conversation. Um, it might be perfect for getting you in jail, but I don't <laughs> think. I mean, this is not. It's not good to say things like this on tape. And then who knows what else he said, because apparently there's other recorded conversations we don't know about yet. Okay. First of all, do you think that, uh, and because you've had to be up to date on the Hunter Biden situation as well, uh, the real question about Hunter Biden is the extent to which Joe Biden is implicated, involved, drawn in. You mentioned that he might even be a witness but what happens if there is an indication that Joe Biden was not telling the truth to the American people when he said time and time and time again he knew nothing about his son's business and he didn't benefit from that business in any way? Uh, we will get to that. And is this whole legal mess a national nightmare or is it a solid example and is it really an opportunity for some of our leaders to display how great the American uh, legal system uh, really is and and how much it deserves our respect and support. We'll continue that conversation with uh, one of the leading experts on that legal system, uh, Professor John Hugh of University of California at Berkeley, the author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. 
Uh, we'll be right back on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show, all across America. I really enjoy your program. I listen to talk radio all day. You're definitely right up there, the cream of the crop. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, where's it all going? What does it all mean? Nobody better to help put that into perspective than Professor John Yu. He is the Emanuel S. Heller Professor of Law at the University of California at Berkeley. He's also a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and a visiting fellow of the Hoover Institution the author of the book most recently of The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court. He has also uh, spent time in the Justice Department of the United States. Um, in terms of these dueling trials that are likely to preoccupy the country and within several months, uh, the trial of Hunter Biden... And and by the way, it is likely that if Hunter Biden is fully investigated, he will be indicted for more than uh, the tax non-payment and for the improper registration for a gun. There's more there, isn't there? I think that's right. Uh, if you go by what the whistleblowers who were working as agents at the FBI at the IRS, who said that their efforts to you know, track down all the leads were blocked by higher-ups. If you go by what they said, there could be charges for bribery, uh, money laundering, involving far much more money than what we've uh, publicly seen in these potential plea bargains. Um, another, just a, a point I wanted to make before we broke at this segment we didn't get a chance to was uh, you were saying, what are we supposed to make of all these competing prosecutions in case, you know, one thing that's unfortunate, I think, is that we're coming to depend on the criminal justice system, on the Justice Department, to make judgments about the worthiness of candidates. I think the founders would have preferred that these decisions get made by Congress through impeachment or ultimately by the voters, by rejecting people. You know, at election or choosing to reelect people. And I think we're, for some reason, and I think you would have better sense of this than I would, for some reason, these more political methods have seemed to have failed. And so that's why both sides are putting so much hope that the criminal justice system will render judgment on these candidates, Trump and Biden. Well, it's just some of the charges uh, that are likely to emerge about Hunter Biden. And his family, uh, really, because of uh, business relationships with his father and his uh, uncle and um, maybe even his sister. But there, there's so much salacious material about Hunter Biden. Isn't that going to be uh, irresistible to, uh, to the American media and American press? And I can see how it's irresistible, but in a way, Hunter Biden's defense is making it irresistible. If you look at what he's uh, been saying in public, uh, you know, they're blaming uh, a good deal of what they say are bad decisions only or bad judgment on the fact that he was on drugs or he was on dep or that he was depressed. Um, although 
I don't think the time periods match up exactly right because when you look at the facts, they seem to cover years and years and years of this, you know, alleged, you know, influence peddling. Uh, so I, yeah, I agree the salaciousness of what Hunter Biden's admitted to and the photographic evidence is terrible, but he's also built that into his defense as to say why he should not be punished that hard by the justice system because it, you know, basically he wasn't in his right mind when he was making a lot of these decisions. Which is not something that President Trump, who is running for president at the same time, can can do quite as uh, easily. Um, President Trump uh, today on the tarmac in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, was asked about a potential plea bargain on some of the charges against him. And, of course, he said, I've done nothing wrong. Uh, Of course, we're not entertaining a plea bargain. Wouldn't it be better for the country... If uh, if something like that happened, if we didn't have an election campaign that was yes. dominated by the question of whether which which of the candidates is going to go to jail first. Well, this is a, it's a good question. Good point. But it also shows how extraordinary this is. To, to me, it's an it's example why criminal justice is not the best way to handle this, because when you have the criminal justice system, and the election system coming, you know, c- coming into conflict, things that you would normally want to do, say, to preserve your rights or to make the best defense in criminal court or, as you say, plead out so that you don't have to serve jail time, you can't do for the political reasons. If he takes a plea bargain, you know, he knows that he can't probably want rid of the presidency. On the, on the flip side, there are going to be things that you want to do in politics in the political world, they're going to harm you in the courtroom. For example, there's this fight going on about whether President Trump can be stopped from revealing in public information that his defense team learns in the, this is what we call discovery, in the process where the government hands off information to you. I, I, how can you tell him he can't say those things in a political campaign that's his First Amendment right? But in a normal trial, the judge will punish you for doing that. And this will really you know, tick off the judge and give the prosecution an advantage if Trump actually goes around and exercises his First Amendment rights. He's certainly been very outspoken about some of the judges he's worked with, including uh, Judge Chutkin, uh, who is going to be his judge on the Washington case. I, uh, uh, John, I so much appreciate always uh, your wisdom and perspective uh, and your new book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to the Supreme Court.